Hello, hello. Okay. Tish is not on the screen, so she's going to get her life together in 2.5 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this virtual reality, but welcome to Too Legit to QT with me, Koya, and Tish. Tish will be here in a second, everyone, so please bear with us. But today we are so excited because we are here with Justin Reese. He is a cast member on Southern Charm on Bravo, and he's also a personal injury attorney, and we're really excited to talk to him today. Welcome to the show, Justin. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on here. Thank you so much. I'm just like, I can't believe we're actually like doing this interview because you know, uh, you had to go to court. Yes. And like connect. In the yes. It was like, we were set to do something. I was like, oh my God, I got to call him and let him know. I'm on my way to court right now. I got pulled into a hearing at the absolute last minute. So it was just one of those things where I'm finally glad our schedules are lining up and I got to be here with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm just excited as well. One of my, I have a lot of friends who watch, they watch the, they actually watch the show. We connected on LinkedIn. I had never yeah. watched the show before. Um, but when I told some of my friends, Oh, here she go. Oh, wait, oh, she's there she went. Like, She'll come back. She'll come back. Tish is like our little producer extraordinaire. Um, but that I told them that you were going to be on the show and they were like, Justin, first off, all of them. I mean, I know you're highly educated. We see Morehouse in the building on the shirt, Morehouse grad. <laughs> Always got to represent. Always. Yes, yes. But you are also some eye candy. I just have to say, like, my friends were like, who's going to be on the show? Have you seen him? I was like, okay, first and foremost, he's in a whole entire relationship. But they all were like, we are going to watch this show because we want to see Justin. And we know that you are taken. But the ladies, they love you. And I know that Bravo is also like, uh, I know that they're benefiting from that as well. Oh, here she goes. She's back. Technical hey. <laughs> difficulties. Mm -hmm. Tish, so we're talking about how all of my friends were like, you're interviewing Justin Reese from Southern Charm. It was a whole thing. It was and a whole how thing. he's the eye candy, girl. And even though he's in a relationship and he's taken, oh I know Bravo is capitalizing on that. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. That's what they do with the young black men. That's yes. what they do. I'm going to tell you, y'all yeah. know how to make a black man blush now. Y'all know how to make a black man blush. Wait a minute. 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 We just saying, we know you have, we know that you're highly educated, but we want to give your, we want to give you your flowers while you're alive. And so, you know, I think that women, they're constantly told how beautiful they are. Mm. And, you know, we get told that all the time, but you really don't men don't really get that. And I don't think it's anything wrong with saying, hey, you're handsome or that's a handsome guy. So that's what we want to do. But we well, want to- I appreciate the compliments. I really do. You're welcome. But we actually want to get into this. You are no stranger to overcoming obstacles. Mm -hmm. And we spoke mm -hmm. a little bit on the phone about your journey and how you became a personal injury attorney. And that's what that's what your profession is outside of being a cast member on Southern Charm on Bravo. Can you tell us how you got into that and how you became a personal injury attorney? So, so it's actually, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm a big believer in God and in yeah. you know my faith and things happen how they're supposed to because i was doing everything in my power to not move back to new orleans literally everything <laughs> anything you could imagine so when in louisiana we have our own set of laws which is called the civil law system or the napoleonic codes which is different from the other 49 states and 
when I say different, it's really not that different. It's just the terminology is different. It's just like when you learn, you know, a different language. It's it's the same thing, but it's just mm-hmm. a different a different word. So in law school, I was taking the common law classes with all of my classmates who were from like all over the country, New York, Florida, California, Texas, because I'm like, I'm going back to Atlanta or I'm going to L.A. I'm going to Miami. I was going to all of these fabulous, amazing, big, crazy cities and all this other stuff. So I didn't take not one single law, civil law class in in law school, not one, not one Louisiana law class. And I uh, finished in 08. After I graduated, I went to Temple Law, got my master's, which is I got an LLM, which is an advanced law degree and specializing in litigation and trial advocacy. And 2008, 2009 was at the height of like the market crash. Mm -hmm. Everything like, you know, every I I remember literally I'm in class and we and just like in the NFL, they call it Black Monday when all the coaches get fired. You Mm -hmm. know, it was a Thursday and a lot of people who applied to like the DA's offices and all the public defender's offices, all their offers started to get rescinded because Uh it created a log jam. And there's usually a lot of turnover. A lot of people go to the DA's office, get a lot of trial experience and then they go private. Well, all the private law firms were laying off everyone. Wow. And, and in turn, they wind up staying. And then the people who were supposed to move into those positions coming into the law firms, they were like, well, I, you know, people still commit crimes. So I'm going to stay at my job. I'm not leaving. And then that in turn, it created that law jam backing everybody out. So it was hard finding a job. It was hard mm-hmm. trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I remember I'm in Philadelphia. I'm like, man, my even my offer got rescinded because I got offered a job at the DA's office in Miami in Dade County. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I was like, I'm about to go to Miami. And that that didn't pan out. And I'm like, man, I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, you know, I was very fortunate. My my father's a judge. And, you know, we have I know a lot of people in New Orleans. And the one thing that did not stop was people getting into accidents. Mm -hmm. Literally, that was the only thing that was still really working. So it was like I kind of just fell into it. Um, You know, there was. There was a couple of firms that needed some attorneys because, you know, that was a type of work that's still constantly going. And it was in New Orleans, which I was trying to, <laughs> trying to avoid. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going back home. And I'm going to tell you, you know, uh, sometimes as much as we want to fight it, God has a plan for us. Mm. And it, w- it wound up being the best thing that ever happened for me because I have been doing amazing things in my career. I've been helping I mean, hundreds, if not at this at this point now, thousands of people, you know, in my career. It led to me being on a TV show, you know, like, I mean, all these different things that I was fighting against and, you know, boom, it, it wound up working out for me. So that's just that's kind of how I got into it. It was just I had no choice. Wow. Can I ask you about, though, because. It's really interesting. When we went to Atlanta this weekend, um, one of Darkoya's friends, her husband, is from Morehouse. Mm-hmm. So is, there's there's since there ten. It, it, it seems like there's just like some sort of like brotherhood, yeah. or yeah. I don't know, some sort of it's it's something about the people who go to Morehouse. Big ups to our HBCUs guys. Like keep funding, keep keep going to our HBCUs oh, yeah. because these are the type of people who are coming out of our HBCUs and they're really doing something and changing the world. Absolutely. But there's something about like just like just listening to you right now. There's something about going to HBCUs and even Morehouse. Can you just tell me a little bit more about how Morehouse impacted your decision to go this direction? So the the big thing that I really love about Morehouse, it's well, it's actually more than one thing. It's a couple of things. One, 
they really they really like just hammer you on excellence and leadership you know when you walk in there you know obviously you know getting good grades and working hard that is like that's just something like okay you should already have that coming into the door like you should you right. should be ready to work hard like we don't have to tell you that we don't have to tell you that like you should already know that if you come in here mm. but what they focus on is brotherhood they focus on uh excellence and leadership mm. and and those are probably like some of the biggest tenants and i mean when i say they hammer that into us like it starts mm. off as freshmen you know, we have a freshman orientation your freshman year every Tuesday for the whole year. Every Tuesday, you have to be there. And mm -hmm. then on Thursday, and in that freshman orientation, they have like different seminars on leadership and, and excellence, and they bring in different speakers and all these different things. And on Thursday, they do the same thing again, but it's for the entire student body from your freshman year mm -hmm. to your junior year. You, once you fulfill those requirements, you don't have to go your senior year. So, I mean, you're getting hammered with this stuff for like, let's just call it three years. Mm -hmm. And you know they always focus on you always look after your brothers you always look out for each other because we are our own network we are our own um uh, you know fraternity you know in itself mm -hmm. and so you know yes we have our greek letter organizations you know on campus but morehouse in itself is its own fraternity is its own brotherhood mm -hmm. and they're like you always got your brothers back you your and like you are your brother's keeper and so you know tying in all of those things you know, you, you have, in, and it also says like, you are the company that you keep. So, mm. you know, the whole thing like, well, you know, I look at all of my friends and my classmates who I'm still close with to this day are all doing excellent things. And now it's kind of like, you know, it's it's a healthy competition because it's like, man, they're doing great. And, you know, I want to be a part of the, the, the conversations they're having with regards to, you know, entrepreneurship and business influence and doing these other things. And yes. I want to be able to participate. And so I got to hold my end of the bargain. You know, if, yeah, I'm, if right. I'm gonna be a part of these conversations, so like it just, you know, I've, I really appreciated that about them. Um, like I said, it wasn't just a place, a good place to go get education, but it's the, it's the camaraderie that we built while we're there. I absolutely love that. I was actually talking to Tish about that. You know, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, so I'm from a place called Richmond. It's right next to Oakland. I went to UC Riverside for undergrad, mm -hmm. and I'm like a theater kid. I went to, I got my, me and Tish actually met in grad school. We have our MFA in acting from the Actor Studio Drama nice. School. And while all of those things, like I graduated from high school early, so I wasn't thinking about, I went on the college tour and I was like, that's fine. But I was like, who's gonna pay me? Um, and but going to Atlanta really just changed my perspective. I was like, there are all of these like successful black people and they're mm -hmm. open to having a conversation with you and they have the same mindset and they want to talk about like entrepreneurship and investing and wealth building and personal self-development. And I love that because I see that all these people are like, oh, you're married and you're doing this. Okay, let's get into that. Or like it's this healthy competition where you're like, even Tish and I had the opportunity to talk to an investor and he completely blew our mind. And we were like so motivated. And he's from Morehouse. It's a lot of information sharing and people aren't like keeping it close to their chest so they could get yes. ahead and like let everybody else look at everybody else while they're at the top of the mountain. It's a lot of information sharing. Like I know the things that I've been learning, like like I would say probably over the past two years, like recently, and it's not like, look, I have highly educated parents. I'm educated myself, but a lot of things, you know, I was taught like get a great education, get a great job. Yeah, you know, exactly. it wasn't it wasn't really necessarily so much about entrepreneurship because look, my dad's probably one of the most well-respected judges in the city of New Orleans. My mother is one of the biggest philanthropists, mm 
you know, sits on several boards. She's she now just got into entrepreneurship where she has her own business, her and her business partners. But that's that's something that wasn't just overly talked about. You know, I wasn't a stranger. I wasn't a stranger to it. But it wasn't something that was just overly talked about where now it's like, wait a minute, like there's a whole new world out here, you know, yes. and and I'm and I've like been educating myself on like wealth building, investing, you know, learning about building your balance sheet. That's so like <laughs> diversifying your portfolio where you're creating different streams of incomes, whether it's in real estate, whether it's in short, short term investments, long term investments. Right. Learning how like to take out life insurance policies and you can actually use that as collateral to yeah. invest in other things as opposed to going to a bank. Like all of these different things that I had no idea. Yes. I can go back to that. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yes. So, so one of the things that you could do if you could take out a life insurance policy and you can use that as collateral. Like, so if you're with whatever financial institution, whether it's Northwestern Mutual. I have one of those. And Tommy yeah. tried to put you on, Tish. I don't know. She's. Yeah. So here's a, here's a crazy question. Big up to Tommy. Big up to Tommy borrow, at Northwestern. <laughs> you, you can borrow against your. Now, obviously, it also depends on how much you're paying into it. Yeah. But you can build equity into it and then you can borrow against it as opposed to going to your traditional banks. Yeah. Let's say if you wanted to invest in real estate and then if you've like, let's say you use that as a down payment to flip a property. Once you reimburse stuff, you pay it right back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just other alternatives to, you know, to to investing and building like all of these different things that I've been learning and, and getting back to those conversations. It's now we're sharing that information. Again, yeah. it's not about, you know, um, just holding it all to yourself because the other thing that I learned is like, I always thought like, you know, sometimes, you know, especially with the outside, it was like this competition, competition. But when you keep it in your community, I, I just like, I mean, I'll say even over the past couple of years, if you want to go somewhere fast, you, you go alone. But if you want to go somewhere far, you go together, you know? You and so I was like, I was okay. like, whoa, 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 finger snap. That's whoa, what and look, you, and even if you get back to like basic business and you run in numbers, it's like, okay, I could make $100,000 by myself on this deal. Mm-hmm. But if I pull my money and people say, well, man, you're only getting a third of the deal as opposed to 100%. Well, if a third of the deal brings me 150000 because I'm now working it with, you know, three people. See, there you go. There you go. There you go. You yes. Know, and, and and I think and I think even sometimes as black people and as a community we we sometimes forget it's like man I, if I'm splitting it I'm gonna lose money I'm gonna lose money it's like no sometimes when you pull your money together you actually wind up getting more than you doing it a hundred percent on your own. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question about that? There are a lot of young entrepreneurs out there who want to start their business and they're just like, you know, I come from an employee background and I'm tired of working with people. Mm-hmm. I want to start this and I want to do this on my own and then later bring on people and stuff like that. What advice would you give someone who's just starting out and they want to like they want to start by themselves, but they really don't understand like maybe collaborating or mm. maybe bringing people on will help them get there a lot faster. So I'll say two things to that. The first part is I can I can understand if you want to start by yourself and I'm not going to say don't do that. But if you're going to start by yourself, get a mentor, mm. get, some, get somebody who's already been doing it so that way they can show you a few things, mm. you know, and help reduce your risk, help reduce your mistakes, you know, get a mentor that's going to help you like at least get started, you know, and then the biggest way to scale and to get bigger is to bring on partners. So if you want to get some experience first, do it by yourself to get some experience to, you know, have a working knowledge 
get a mentor to help you. And then, but I say like, again, if you, it, in order to really get big, you're going to have to bring on partnerships. You're going to have to scale, you know, yeah. you know, or let's put it like this. I have my own little conspiracy theories. Like, you know, you look at the world's richest people and then, you know, there's Jeff Bezos and, and Elon Musk. I actually think there are people in this world that actually have more money than those guys. But those are, let's just say, the richest people that are that have made it public. Let's just go with that. Mm. You know, Jeff Bezos only owns now 29% of Amazon. Mm. And it's still valued at like almost $200 billion. So mm. even at 29%, he's richer than the person who owns 100% a hundred percent of five billion dollars, ten billion. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do believe in owning like, and I talk about this principle all the time. Ten percent of ten businesses, right? Because if you Absolutely. have five businesses, and my husband actually told my husband actually told me about that. Believe it or not, he just he was just like, "Hey, I listened to this guy. He talked about the principle of ten percent of ten businesses." That's it. Mm-hmm. I definitely believe that. I definitely believe that we have this thing as black people where we just can't trust because we've lived mm-hmm. in this position of tr- of distrust for so long. And the, also the type of people that we bring around us are people who are unreliable, like yeah. 100% unreliable. So you get to the point where you have a certain mindset. You're just like, there's no way that I can rely on anybody because I've seen the people around me. How would you explain? Because this is... Um, I think this is going to help our artists, entrepreneurs out there. I know we, I didn't know we were going in this direction, but I feel like it's important. Right here. It's okay. Yeah. I feel like it's important um, to talk about this. And and uh, my husband, he also listens to Dr. Bryce Watkins. Bryce Watkins, B O Y Bryce Watkins, Boyce Watkins. So it, I just feel like it's important for people to understand what we're talking about right now, like how to scale up and these things. Like what advice would you give the people who have just distrust about bringing people on, about investing with others or partnering with others? Uh, And I know you talked about like going to Morehouse, which you have like a brotherhood, you know, and that may be part of it as well. Like, you know, these people, like what advice would you give people out there who, don't even know how to trust people out there to bring mm. them. Well, <clears throat> just with excuse me, with anything, trust takes time too, and I get that. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you're getting into business, you never just don't ever jump head first into like a whole bunch of things with people. Like, do like start off with a, like a one-off deal, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and know who you're dealing with. You know, you have to understand. Like, you know, a lot of people talk a big game, but one thing is numbers don't lie. Right. Number, numbers don't lie at the end of the day. So if you're getting into it, say, hey, look, you know, I think we, I would like to do, you know, a partnership with you. And, and you know, I, I get, I'm getting more into real estate. So that's why I kind of use that as as kind of like a background, because I've really been like just diving into it. And so, like, I've I've been, a, you know, I've been approaching people with the idea of partnerships as well. And in my experience, I'm like, look, I know that they have done several homes. You know, they've built several homes, either they've been rehabs or they've been new constructions. And the one thing is like, hey, look, I come with I could potentially find us a deal. I also have capital. You know, um, you know, how do you do this? You know, say, well, look, if I find this, how do we put this together? And so I say, is there a way? And you can even if you ask like what I call secondary questions to get your primary answers. So it's like, how do you how do you 
how do you manage everything? Is there like a spreadsheet where you keep all your numbers together? Is that something that I can see? Is that something I can look at that I can learn from? And you're kind of you're kind of asking them for help, but also at the same time, you're trying to see, okay, what do your books look like too? You know, and your work ethic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how how organized are you? You know, mm-hmm. and so you can you can ask like a, what I call secondary questions. If you're if you're nervous about it, I mean, you can just come out straight out the gate like, hey, look, I'm gonna show you my books. Let me show you your books. Let's see how do what's your process, your systems look like. If you want to just come straight out, I mean, do that. You know, ask them that. You know, because I I need to know how do we how do we incorporate this as a team? How do what does this look like as far as us having access to this as, as a joint venture project together? You know, put it all out on the table first. And yeah. You just do one thing together, see how it goes, and then next thing you know, maybe you're doing two together, or and then right. you, keep, you keep building from there. Mm. It, it, that's really interesting because I think that also, I think what you're saying also is mentorship will teach you that as well, mm-hmm. right? Having the Absolutely. right mentor also teach you how to scale up and also how to identify partners because mentorship is somewhat of an it's an indirect partner partnership if you think about it, right? Right. So I I I think. Um, what you're saying just makes so much sense because when you work, with, I, I work with a lot of artists and entrepreneurs and collaboration is a big thing. There's no way for you to scale up without there being some sort of partnership, some sort of Absolutely. collaboration, some sort of something. But everybody wants to be like, Tyler Perry did it by himself. Issa Rae did it. No, no, no they're not. No, no they, they did not. They're just the face. They're the face of a corporation and everybody mm-hmm. thinks it's supposed to be like that. So you have like these you have like a lot of people of color who are out there being like, I'm going to do it by myself. I'm going to do it by myself. And I'm like, I'm not, not even possible. doing it by myself. Not That's not, you And you know what it is. And we talked about this a little as well is like a lot of entrepreneurs. And we talked about this weekend. A lot of entrepreneurs fail because when they scale up, they don't have the capacity to take mm-hmm. on the amount of work that it's not like they don't fail because they're failing. They're failing because they just don't have the energy and the capacity to take mm-hmm. on it all. Right? right. And that gets into the next thing is also also understanding like where your strengths are and where other people's strengths are. So for example, like I mean using basketball, you're not gonna have two point guards on the floor at the same time. You know, right. you're gonna have your point guard, your shooting guard, knowing which what what you're good at. Like for me, I'm a, I'm the first one to be honest. I am I am not as meticulous as I need to be. I'm like I'm so thankful to have the staff that I have to keep my calendar together and all these other things. Cause I'm, if not, I'd be a scatterbrain, you know, yeah. you know I, I understand business, but am I a true businessman? I am not. I'm good at finding, finding opportunities, finding businesses, like business, finding leads. And then I need someone, if I'm in partnership with someone, I need someone who's that, that meticulous the person yes, who can yes. who can bust out the spreadsheets and keep the numbers together yeah. while I go yes. manage and delegate and and do everything that I, I'm kind of look like I'm Geppetto right here. I do not play with people like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play people like that. But like I'm the person that's just out there that can make things happen. But once it starts to happen, I need someone to keep it organized. And I'm not going. And I'm gonna be honest. I'm not. I'm not the most organized person. I'm not. That that reminds me of Tish and I have a company together and this podcast is a part of the company. And that's literally our relationship. Tish is like, this and this and we have this and this. And then later on, it's like, 
okay. And I'm having to like organize it, <laughs> coordinate it. And I'm like, you know, you just did this, but all this stuff has to happen after. And I'm like managing it. And then like, I'm, and I'm, I'm highly meticulous. Yes. I'm meticulous about everything to the point where I, I used to think sometimes when I was working with people and I was working as a sole proprietor by myself, mm-hmm. sometimes I thought that that was actually a weakness because the people that I was working with, they weren't my tribe. They weren't my collaborators. They were people who, when they saw that I was meticulous, they were like, oh, that's that's too much. But the people that I work oh. with now, they actually like that about me. They say, Darquea, you know exactly what you want so I can meet your expectations. It's the people who don't know what they want that are hard to please. And I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm just very particular and I finger comb things. But like sometimes for me, I'll finger comb it too much to where she's just like, oh, uh-uh, like, what are we doing? Okay, let's do this. <laughs> so I think we work well together because sometimes me being very meticulous, I will kind of wait to take a hold of opportunities like what you say, mm-hmm. Justin, whereas she's she's over here working, getting the getting the opportunities, whatever. And sometimes things come along, like even this interview or like we coordinate things. But we really my dad says that even in a family, everybody plays team. Um, and I think that a lot of people who, who are immigrants who come from this country, who come to this country from other places, they understand that. It's like, well, one person will have, and they they buy a property, they start business businesses. But I think that their concept of community and playing team, they have a really good understanding of that. Because one person will have the money, the capital, the other person will have mm-hmm. the credit, the other person will have the manpower or the technical skills. I know a lot of people, I met this, uh, there were three brothers one, he was really good at construction. So they 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 flipped properties. Mm-hmm. He was the one that had that expertise. The other one, he had some really good job. He was the capital. And then the other one, he had the relationships with the people that, you know, mm-hmm. the different- finding, finding the deals probably. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. they said that if they had a if they hadn't have went into business together, what took them three to five years to do together and they multiplied that, it probably would have took them seven to 10 years by themselves. Maybe even longer. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. I think that what you're talking about, like identifying your collaborators and your tribe, and also like that take that that takes a lot a lot because you have to get rid of your ego. When you when you know what your strengths are, then you're not sitting over here trying to be in this person's lane. You're like fine right here, and let me like you say, let me pass off the ball. I really don't do sports, but let me pass Mm -hmm. off the ball to you. Um, and so it's really interesting because you talked about that's how you got on um, Southern Charm on Bravo, that that was part of your network. Can you tell us a little bit about how that opportunity came about? It, again, I mean, just right place at the right time. I wasn't that was actually something that I wasn't really like seeking out. You know, I wasn't like filling out applications, trying to, you know, be on TV. You know, I was always I was always that guy. And let me let me say this. So my last real quick, let me give you a quick backstory. My last semester at Morehouse, I had pretty much finished everything. Like I was done, but I just needed credits to graduate. Like I had finished my major, you name it. So I spent my last semester at the drama department at Spelman. A little conveniently, but hey, look, you know. And so, um, you know, I had met some really incredible, uh, some credible friends who I had 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 really just started me for like the first time like my entire you know time at Morehouse and are actually having phenomenal careers um in television and film right now. 
And, you know, I always say, look, I really enjoy this. This is fun. I truly respect this craft, but this is, I'm, I'm not an actor. If I ever, if I ever get discovered, you know, it's, it's that, that good old fashioned, I was discovered in the mall type story, you know, <laughs> like I was, just, I was discovered, you know, at the, at the grocery store in the produce section or something like that. I said, if I ever get discovered, that's what it's going to be like. And, you know, not quite that story, but very analogous to it in the sense of, you know, just having a network and knowing people around town and just being myself and just, you know, trying to be the best version of me, both personally and professionally. You know, you know, some producers came in town and they were initially trying to put something together and my name got thrown in the hat. And I was like, um, this is interesting. You know, I'm practicing law at this time. I'm, in, I'm a lawyer. I'm practicing law. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. Um, you know, I'm a little skeptical because I'd actually been down this path before two oh. times prior. You know, uh, I don't know if y'all remember, like, years ago, Eva Longoria, like, it was, like, 2012, 2013, Eva Longoria did a show called Ready for Love, which was supposed to be NBC's answer to ABC's The Bachelor. And so (laughs) I was was approached approached by that and made it, like, all the way to the finals, got flown out to L.A., met with her, you know, all the the, uh, production, you know, and all these other folks. And my first time, I guess, quote-unquote, experiencing Hollywood was that... I never got a call back saying, hey, we decided to go in a different direction. All of a sudden, I see a billboard <laughs> and a commercial for the show. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I didn't get picked, you know, months later. And, and so, and, and then that was in 2012. And then something happened again in 2014, where it was the same thing. I saw they were trying to put something together for Bravo around New Orleans. And then I saw what ultimately was going to be the cast for that production company. It was more reminiscent of the makings of a real housewives of New Orleans. So, cause I was friends with, and a lot of people who was part of that were actually on Southern charm too, but the other dynamic of it, I was like, yeah, I'm friends with these people in real life, but uh, I do not fit in this dynamic for which they're trying to format this show. <laughs> and so, and again, I went through Skype calls. I went through all these different things. And the next thing you know, they just kind of ghosted me. So I was like, Oh, so uh-huh. now third time, third time around, you know, I'm like, all right, here we go again. <laughs> I'll play this little game. I'll see how far it goes, you know. And what's the worst I gonna do? Tell me no, and I go right back to practice the law. Okay, I'm right. fine with that, I'm, you know. And next thing you know, I kept doing interviews, and then this time I'm filming. I'm like, oh, okay, this is different. I've hit, I've hit new territory. I'm filming now, <laughs> you know. And didn't hear from them for a little bit, and I'm like, oh wait the executive producer for Bravo's coming to Dallas. She wants to meet all of us. I'm like, mm-hmm. I guess she's kicking the tires to see what it, what it really is. And then, and then that was in like December. Next thing I know, and, and Mardi Gras, they, they call us in January. It's like, we're coming down in three weeks to film. Get ready. I'm like, wait, what? Like three weeks. Yeah. We want to start filming during Mardi Gras. Like y'all do. I was like, Oh, this is about to be interesting. And then as they say, the rest is history. So it was like I said. It was just my name got thrown in a hat. I got a random call, and I just kind of started going through, going, going with it. Wow, that's yeah. amazing! I love that. You know, really. Oh, go ahead, Bessie. Well, I was just saying, like, I know it. It you were just being like your authentic self, and a lot of people in this industry, people who have made this their trade. You know, I'm an actress and host. Mm-hmm. I have so many friends who are actresses and uh, TV hosts and whatnot, and it's, there's always this conversation of like authenticity, like how, when I actually need this opportunity, how do I stay authentic to who I am? 
while also still being marketable and get this opportunity. But it's just like what you said, like holding on to your guns, understanding like, listen, I am who I am. And people, but people struggle with that. You know, they struggle with that because they, they just, they need to work. They need yeah. that. And, yeah. um, but, uh, but then there's like, there's like, the, as a bestie likes to say, there's the caveat to that, which is at the same time, the industry wants you to be authentic. Like, right. so you need the opportunity and you want to fit into whatever their, um, their structure is. But then at the same time, if you're not authentic, you're not really going to work. Oh, they're going to see right through it. They will yeah. see right through it. Because I can tell you the other side of it, too, is, uh, I mean, they, you know, they were interviewing so many different people around New Orleans. And, I mean, they were trying to, like, piece people together. And I started learning more and more about who got called, who did Skype interviews, who was doing this, who was doing that. And then even some of the filming. And I, and I saw, like... You know, when those cameras went on, a couple things happened. But the two that happened the most, people aren't ready for the cameras. They're not ready. <laughs> and these are the two biggest things that happen. Either one, they become a turtle and they just <laughs> they just they they just go in that shell. They freeze. Literally, they just freeze up. Mm-hmm. Or two, they really try to be something that they're not. That's true. They try to like put on like this extra show because they think that's what the producers and you know that's what they want to see, and that and that's not what they want to see because the thing is you can't keep that up because it's not you, especially if you're doing reality TV. And so you know, for me going through the process, and and I even saw like you know other people filming. I'm like, yo, they they were just being like extra, and and and. The producers can see they're they've been they're in this industry. That's what they do every day for a living. They can see right through it. And for me, my attitude was, I'm like, look, I'm here just like I always show up. I'm here for the drinks and to crack some jokes. <laughs> and, and if that's what you want, great. If that's not what you want, oh my god, I got to go back to being a lawyer and making the money that I'm making. That really sucks. I mean, I- <laughs> No, that's so interesting when you talk about, um, you know, when we're getting on the subject of authenticity, because I also think, um, and we were talking to um, a young actress who we work with, Libe, and she talks about turning down roles that just don't even fit who she is. And I mean, I know that's not a reality for all creatives out there to, mm-hmm. to be able to turn down things, but also like we talk a little bit about branding and fitting things that really just kind of fits you, who you are and your branding is you, right? Yeah. And when I first started out as an, um, and an, as a, uh, an artist, I used to take this, uh, this, uh, I used to read this book called the Tao of, I think it's called like the Tao of Business or the Tao of um, the Industry or something. It was by Dallas Travis. And she talks about understanding who your values are and who you are. And when you know to pass up an opportunity because it doesn't meet who you are. And when you know that an opportunity is really for you. So for you, you know, you're very like, obviously you're very authentic. And what happened was people met you where you were. So the opportunity made sense for you, yeah, right? Yeah, because because it, it, it matched your values and what you were going for and your lifestyle. And I just want to really encourage artists out there that if an opportunity doesn't meet you where you are and it's not you and it's not something where you can keep up, like you say, then just don't do it. And I, I know that's not like the best advice to tell artists not to take on jobs, but if yeah. it's something to where it's going to be 
um, an ongoing thing and you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to create a facade or a character, (laughs) you know, that is just going to take you out of who you are authentically. and it's gonna mess with you personally because at some point it's gonna to start to eat you from the inside because it's it's yeah. not it's not who you are, you know, right. and it's going to affect you and other things that you're doing. And then look, yeah. I, I'm the like having the limited experience that I had in in theater and and understanding that world. I mean, for artists, I I respect that industry so much more now. You know, a lot of people sit at home and like, oh, I could be an actor. I'm like, no, you can't. Trust me, <laughs> no, you can't. You cannot do it. This, you yeah. know, they, 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 just like how you, we watch basketball players and we watch Steph Curry pull up from like half court and just hit it every time. And mm-hmm. you think you can do the same thing? You can't. You know, these yeah. people, are just, you know, these folks have been trained. Wait, who thinks that? I'm sorry. Who go go to the, go, look, you asked Mayor Lightfoot for the Chicago and she told everybody when to stay home. Your, your, your jump shot is weak. Stay home. <laughs> I, don't know if y'all, I don't know if y'all remember that line when, when COVID was going on. Yeah. Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago is like, y'all shouldn't be playing at the parks. Your jump shot is weak. Stay home. You know, <laughs> people, like, people think they, you know, you see stuff on, you, you see stuff on TV, and it's like, oh, I could do that. And I'm very guilty of saying that, like, oh, I could do that. Like, and having done it, like, no, and you it's can't. not your strength. And, and but, your but, strength. but for artists, I get it. It's it's a lot more difficult because sometimes projects can be can be big gaps between you get opportunities and it's like yeah. how do you live how do you survive so i'm not the one to give advice on that because I'm, I, I'm, I, am, though. Yeah. I am i can tell you diversify that's yeah. why you do it you diversify mm-hmm. you come up with different things like in it like in like an ira uh, yeah. like I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Insurance, pop, like all of those things. You put your money into all of those things so that you can do things that you really like. So when opportunities come around that you don't want to do, you don't have to do it because yeah. you're not worried about your 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 money. That's yeah. how you do that. You diversify, artists. You do things. You put your money. You invest. Yeah. 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 And you see people doing that too. Like you don't even have to just listen to us. Look around. I, we had such an amazing conversation with one of your Morehouse brothers, um, actually not not yesterday, but on Sunday. And one of the biggest things that I I took from our conversation, he said he looks around at people and not what people are saying, but the people who actually have what he wants and who are actually like the real wealth, look at what they're doing. And then that'll show you people who are really doing in Hollywood. George Clooney owns like a liquor business with mm. his friends. Yeah. With his friends. You think that like that money that he's making on these films are really his bread and butter? Absolutely not. And it's just like a major key alert. And it's even if you don't, even if you can't do that, just look at the bare principle, which is he diversified. Yeah. He had something else that's bringing him income while he's still working on passion and purpose. Because I also want to say this to people who are watching. I understand having to live a life where you're fulfilled doing what you're passionate about. Different people tick differently. Some people are mm-hmm. fine just making a bunch of money, even if it's not what they're pa- even if it's not doing what they're passionate about. Other people are like, I identify what money means to me and what that can do for my family. But some people, they still have to be fulfilled in the work that they're doing. Like even you, Justin, you're a personal injury attorney. I'm quite sure that people who are getting into accidents, who the the trajectory of their life has completely changed because of the 
free, like helping yeah. them actually get the deals. And I've seen people who did not get a good deal and, and they took the first number and it's like, but you have to like understand you can't work anymore. Right. And you divide that checkup, that che when you divide that check and you don't invest it properly, what does that mean for you and your future? So being able to help people like that, you're living in passion and purpose. So I just think there has to be that, that fine line where you still are doing what you're passionate about, but you're also investing and in securing yeah. your future as well. I, I was going to say another example, uh, Anthony Mackey, um, he's now, I mean, he's, I mean, he's always been a phenomenal actor, but I mean, he he's really starting to like be that super superstar, like yeah. the big big superstar. But one of his things is, um, and I'm not close with him, but I do know him. Um, he owns a bunch of properties in and around New Orleans, uh, and that's how he's diverse. But matter of fact, I even lived in one of his properties briefly while I was remodeling my home. Uh -huh. and, yeah, yeah. And when he's in in between movies, he's in and he does a lot of the construction himself. So when he's in between movies, he's in New Orleans, like buying buying up homes left and right, rehabbing them, and then just renting them out. Uh, wow, yeah. there you yeah. go. Ooh, that's a nugget. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah. I also because I know that investing can be a little intimidating for those out there who don't even understand the basics or just like just a small part. So I I just there are like guys, and I'm gonna tell you how I even I I started doing a coins right. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I started doing. And it was a while ago. I started doing a coins and I had started putting like a little bit of money in there at like my chain, whatever, whatever. Next thing you know, I look like a couple months later. I'm like, hold the heck up. I have like all this money in here. Where did this come from? Right. I wasn't even checking on it. I just did it. So you don't have to start off big, just start off small just to see where it gets you. And then you can start like getting mm -hmm. the thing about artists is they don't have a lot of money. Right. So I want to be I want to be real to the realm of artistry. You don't have a lot of money, right? But even if you do something like that, where now you have an additional twenty five hundred dollars or three thousand dollars or four thousand dollars that you didn't even know that you had before, it gives you an opportunity to say yes or no to oh I'm I'm gonna get paid one hundred and twenty five dollars. Sorry, let me set SAG minimum because I know our actors yeah. out there, SAG minimum. $206 a day and I have to work, you know, 10, 15 days and it's going to be straining and it's just going to be, you know what? I got $2,000. It's not worth. I would rather spend that $2,000 and invest my time in this. Yeah. It gives you the flexibility Absolutely. to be able to say yes or no and to look for other opportunities that might fit what you're looking for. So even if you start there and big ups to Cindy Chu because she a couple years ago, because I'm I'm such a conservative person. A couple years ago, she was like, "Wow, I saved a thousand dollars in eight coins," and I was like, "What the hell is eight?" Anyways, um, because I I had a bad experience with the stock market in in 2008, so that was just it for me. But yeah, <laughs> but, I had a I had a bad experience, and and I wish I wouldn't have get, given up. I had a bad experience with cryptocurrencies back in 2016, 2017, mm. and mm. I wish I would have just I would have held strong and stayed. Yeah. And, and stayed tight. I would have been. I would have been so good, so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I would have just held tough. But it's no Robert Kiyosaki. Oh, go ahead, Messi. Go ahead, Messi. Go well, ahead. I'm going to say that Robert Kiyosaki has a couple books, and one of the things that I really like about um, one of the books I read, um, he said, 
you have to be, you have to actually like what you're investing in because you're going to win, lose, you're going to win money and you're going to lose money. So he said, it's, and then you're going to have like an average, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that you have people where they're just like, oh, real estate, that's what I should invest in. Oh, cryptocurrency, that's what I should invest mm -hmm. in. Films, that's what I should invest in. And, and I, what I see is you have to, so, there's some people, I've had some friends who they're like, they have investment properties and they're like, I don't want to be a landlord. That's not my that's not my thing. So they're taking the money that they're getting out of their home because they bought property in Atlanta. They have like two hundred thousand dollars in equity after they pay off their mortgage and they're going to reinvest that into something else because they don't they don't want to invest in real estate because that's yeah still work. You know, I think people forget that like investing is still work. So you have to find that, find a lane and find what you want to invest in and then go on the ride with it. Like if cryptocurrency is your thing, you go on the ride with it or yeah. you invest enough to where it can, it can go on the ride. It can go up, it can go down, it can go up and it can go down. And I think that I just want people out there to like also understand that as well. Because when people start talking about investing, people get like, they're like, wait, should I do this? Should I do that? And it's just it's like- It's overwhelming because there's so many different things you can go into, but you just got to figure out, like you said, what's your passion and what's because, I mean, everything might seem glitzy and glamorous, but, you know, like I said, if you're not prepared to take those losses and something that you love, it's going to be- it's going to be catastrophic. Yeah. You're going you to yeah. feel real bad about yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we're talking about this because I, I definitely feel like, you know, everybody's like, we're going to do it when we make it. But I just want to put out there, guys, 90% of artists and entrepreneurs, they're not in that top 10% or top 1%. 90% of you guys are working out there. You're working, you're, you know, you have day-to-day -day operations. You don't have the, you can't scale up like other people. So you have to have a plan. And I think like just having like an, an insurance plan, like you're, you're talking about, or just having like some a cryptocurrency portfolio or just doing like what I did, which was I'm just going to put my pennies and my dimes and my certain amount of money per week in there. Mm -hmm. And then I look and I'm like, oh, snap. I'm like $6,000, $5,000 richer because I didn't even, I just was like, I wanted to just play it safe. Yeah. Myself, you know, just, yeah. to, just to see what, and, and, and it's, it's a really intimidating space. So I, I appreciate you saying that, but I, I definitely want to ask you this question because I know that we're kind of dwelling down on time. Um, but for those who want to like start, who want to get into reality, right? Who want mm -hmm. to get into reality TV out there? Because I know a lot of people really do want to get into reality TV. What advice would you give them about finding like the right reality TV or even like being in the room with producers because you mentioned you were like, oh, that's not for me. What what were some telltale signs for you? So for those that want to get into reality TV, um, a lot of people, I'm going to tell you, a lot of people say that they want to do it and that they're ready for it, but you really don't know what it's like until you're in it. It's a, it's a different animal. Um, you know, you literally... And if you're if you're if you can answer this question to yourself, if you're prepared to talk about the most uncomfortable things, mm. like a lot of things that you would not want another soul to know, mm. um, if you can't do that, then you're not ready for reality TV. Straight up, mm. if you're not ready to talk about like your deepest feelings, like where other people are going to see this, if you're a very very private person, 
it's not for you. It's not for you. Um, you know, I, I do consider myself, I'm, I'm semi-private, you know, um, and I, and I actually had a lot of struggles, you know, filming the show because a lot of things that I would more often tend to keep to myself, I, you know, I learned like, you know, it, it kind of helped me talking about it. So it was a little cathartic for me in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, that's something I learned about myself. But if you can sit here and say, you know what, when it comes to like relationship stuff, that might be embarrassing. I don't want, if you don't want people in your closest circles to know about things that you're going through, then you're not going to want the world to know about it. So if, if you're not if you're not one of those that overly shares with your circle, you know, reality is not for you um, because you're going to have to talk about the toughest topics and the things that, you know, what I say, what I say to people is they don't poke the bear, you know, on reality TV, you know, they kicked it out of it. OK, <laughs> they do. They do. And you have to be prepared to, like I said, to say things that are truly on your mind. They, you know, the the filters, like, you know, they don't want you to have filters. They want you to say what's on your mind. You know, they don't, they don't tell you what to say, but mm. they want you to say what's on your mind. They don't tell you to do anything. They want you, however you would react, react. And that's the other thing is like, if you the type of person, like if you, if you act a certain way at a, at a club and you or at a party or at a function, they want you to, they want you to do that. They don't want you to change. Don't hold back, don't hold back for the cameras. And if you feel like that's what you're going to do, then reality TV is not for you. So that's the first thing. That's the first thing. If you, if you want to really be on it, you got to be prepared to, to do all of those things and to be yourself unapologetically in front of the world and however the world is going to react to it. You got to be prepared to, cause people, that first amendment, that first amendment is a, is a beast, especially on Twitter. People let you know how they feel mm. and they come for you and they don't care. So that's the other thing. You gotta, you gotta have thick skin. Mm. Um, and then as far as getting into it, it depends on what it is that you are into. So if you are into the game shows like, you know, Big Brother or Amazing Race or some of the other stuff, a lot of them more often than not have just straight up casting, um, like casting where you go to their website, follow their instructions, and you do like the whole casting thing. Um, if it's something that is kind of tailored like around Bravo, like where it's like, you know, a circle of friends or, or this kind of group, um, that's always a little bit tougher. Um, I really don't know how to say what's the best advice for getting on one of those because for me, it wasn't, again, it wasn't anything that I applied for. Um, so I can't really say like, I just, I just, you know, I had a very large network. I know a lot of people I'm active and I think that that might actually be, that actually might be the answer to this in itself. If you're active in your city, if you're always at fundraisers, if you're always at political events, if you're always at, you know, this festival and this event and you're active and now with the emergence of social media, people will find you via social media. So if you're active, Mm -hmm. if you're always at, like some kind of a philanthropic event, you know, or especially for some of the more popular nonprofits in your city and you're just constantly just doing things, you know, that's a good way to, to put yourself in different networks. So if opportunities do arise, your name will get thrown in the hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you able, I know we're coming to the end, but how are you able to manage like your job and filming? Did everything like go on hold while you filmed or no. how? 
No, it didn't. What? The court, the courts and judges do not wait for my filming schedule, especially if I'm still practicing law. No, oh, uh, the the three months that we filmed were probably some of the more exhausting three to four three to four months that I've ever spent in my entire life. Um, between filming schedules and having to work and main, managing clients, I'm very blessed to have all the support that I have, you know, in my life. Like I have a great support staff, paralegal secretaries that 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 have had my back, um, my colleagues um, that have had to kind of help step in if I was if I was filming and I had a court hearing, they were able to step in for me to do that. Now, in turn, you know. You know, people got to be compensated for their time and for what they do. So <laughs> you might not make as much money as you probably would have on that case, but the case still gets done. The clients are still happy and it allows you to kind of do everything. It's kind of, I mean, kind of actually kind of go to scaling a business in a, in a sense. Cause it's like, you yeah. know, at some point your business goes up and then when you're ready to scale, you're going to have to spend money to make money. So then you kind of plateau for a little bit mm. and then you get to a point to where it goes back up up again to where you're ready to take the next step and scales and then so mm -hmm. forth so um you know i've had to i've had to you know give up a few few a few percentage points on some deals because i've had to have people step in for me um so it and it allowed me to do this which helped me grow you know my social media platform my instagram and things like that so it's you know that's how that worked but yeah no i had i still had to do it all Wow. So I, I, I hear you on that. So we're kind of coming to the end of our mm -hmm. podcast and we usually have one additional question that Bestie usually asks. So go ahead. Get okay. So Justin, what ignites your motivation and how do you stay persistent and consistent to follow your dreams? So I'm a very self-motivated person. That's just, that's just me. Um, there are, I've always been very competitive to mm -hmm. be the best um and you know it's and it's not a unhealthy obsession it's just like i just want to be great at what i do and 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 what i what i'm doing and so i'm constantly trying to read i'm constantly trying to get better every year figure out uh grow because the moment you feel like oh well i'm good you know i'm making this money i'm good like that's actually when you start going down and my fear is going down so I actually do the extreme. I go even harder, like, okay, I gotta get this, I gotta get this, I gotta get this. And, you know, for me, I've, it's also the sense of, I was very fortunate to have the parents that I had that have truly invested in my education and my upbringing. And I looked at it as that like a business investment. And they sacrificed a lot. And so everything that I, a lot of the things that I do, I wanna make sure it's like, look, y'all paid a lot of money for my education growing up. And even through college, I was blessed. My parents paid for my college. They paid for my law school, which, you know, I'm not going to, not going to, you know, be oh, mad about it. They got, they, they got, they got me there. Look, they got me there. They got me there. So I'm not going to be mad. You know, yeah. But they paid for my college. And I'm like, yo, I mean, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on my education throughout mm -hmm. my life, all the way through law school. And I'm like, yo, I got to, I got to get a return on y'all investment. I have to. Yeah. I'll sacrifice way too much. So it's also just trying to make my parents proud as well and just just doing some great stuff that's amazing and then last not last but not least i'm very fortunate my real, real i know we're running short on time my high school is a phenomenal high school st augustine here in new orleans uh, we have a lot of artists entertainers things like that look we had four guys from st all who were nominated for grammys this past year oh, wow. one, one of them for an oscar who won the oscar 
um, Don Patisse, who's on the Stephen Colbert show, who won the Oscar yeah. for Soul. Yeah. He went to my he went to my high school. Oh, and, wow. and so and then I mean all of the amazing people who are coming out of Morehouse. I mean in your industry, uh, Brian, Tyree, Henry, Dave, John, David Washington, who are in the in the uh, film and entertainment and film and television industry. We have a lot of guys from Morehouse who are doing amazing things, and I also want to be a part of that conversation where people are talking about alumni and stuff like that. So that's kind of like my healthy competition. It's like I want to be a part of that legacy, part of that. You know what keeps the tradition rolling because it's up to us to to do well. Because when I do well, everybody does well. So when we're now promoting Morehouse and we're now promoting St. Augustine, it's like, man, Justin Reese went to that school, you know. And it's like that keeps the legacy going. You know, that's it's you know when people look at I want people to look at me as like, yo, he went there. That helped train him to get to where he is. Then I need to go there. And then when they become older, hopefully they're in in a position to where it's like, you know, that that guy, man, yo, he went to Morehouse, he went to St. All, he's doing those things. Then I gotta go there. It, it it keeps the legacy going. So that's that's also the other part of it too. No, that, that's very much true. And and a lot of the colleges, a lot of the very prominent colleges, that's exactly what they do. They say, oh, these are all our alumni and what they've been able to do. And a lot of people already look up to these people. So that's really, really interesting. Good job on that. And I want our viewers to, out there to who are listening and who are looking at this to follow Justin Reese yeah. at The Justin Reese on every platform. Justin will tell you on every platform. It's every the platform. Okay, <laughs> the Justin um, Reese. So make sure that you, you know, support support Justin and follow him and you know watch Southern Charm. Yes, and thank you so much for speaking with us today, Justin. We truly, truly appreciate it. We know that you're now, as Wendy Williams says, a friend to the show. So oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> and this stay on, fun. stay on for a second. We're gonna talk yep. with you at the end, but we're just gonna end the podcast. You got it. Thank you guys. We'll see you Bye next week. Same time, 8 p.m. You know, Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. You know, on the West Coast over there in Central, wherever, whatever it is. No, I don't know why you always like, girl, the same Central people do that anymore. Yeah. We're going to get the Central time, but just yeah. bestie. Yeah, on. Central, whatever we do, but we, we, we appreciate you guys. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week, Thursday. Thank you. Peace. Thank mm-hmm. you.